Welcome to Dear Dio, your resource for honest advice and real authenticity for your journey from life as a pre-med to residency. I'm your host, Michael Garrison, fourth year osteopathic medical student. And today I'm happy to have Kirsten Dawson, current medical student and someone who recently matched into ophthalmology residency. So thank you so much for being here. Do you mind telling the audience just a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. Hello, audience. My name is Kirsten. Uh, like she said, I'm a fourth-year medical student, just matched into ophthalmology. I'm from Ohio. Um, pretty much grew up my whole life there. Went to a small college, um, and I'm thriving in a small town currently. I'm at home now, which is really nice. Um, this is actually my least favorite question. Tell me about yourself. <laughs> I know, right? I was, I just slip in it. <laughs> um, I am the oldest of three. I'm a big family person, which is why I'm home currently and it is great, but I'm excited for what the future holds and for this little podcast we have today. Yeah. And you're a cat owner. Right? Yes. As you can um, tell with the litter box in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I have a cat. I love him. His name is Tank. Um, I adopted him from a shelter when he was a kitten and he is the best cat ever. He is more like a dog than a cat, actually, which is great. Love and that. he's like my child, <laughs> embarrassingly so. <laughs> same, same. My cat is my child. She's sleeping on the couch right now because she's spoiled. <laughs> she rules the world. So <laughs> so what made you want to do ophthalmology, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. So uh, going into medical school, I thought I wanted to do a surgical specialty. Like I always thought that. My dad's a surgeon. I loved going in and watching him in surgery. He's an orthopedic doctor. And I started rotating through all the surgical specialties. So I did general surgery. I did ortho, um, did a little bit of ENT. And I had not find, like, found anything that I liked. And so I was starting to think maybe I don't want to do surgery um, because those are like some of the things I initially thought I would be interested in. And I had one elective left and my dad was like, you know, you should check out ophthalmology, just see what you think. And that was February of last year oh my gosh. when I ended up rotating through. Um, and first week I hated it, which is kind of funny <laughs> because if you've ever rotated in ophthalmology, you with neuro, you might know potentially, but they just sit at slit lamps and back and forth, back and forth, and that's it. And so I was watching that the first week and I hated it because I had no idea what was going on. I didn't right. know how to look at anything. Um, in medical school, I feel like in general, especially DO school, you you don't learn a lot about eyes. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> um, so I was clueless and yeah, but the second week, I worked with some optometrists actually, and they taught me how to use the slit lamp and like look to the back of the eye. And I was fascinated. Um, just being able to see the back of it was really cool. The retina, basically, if we talk about it. Um, yeah. And that was what kind of hooked me. I was like, visually, this is super intriguing. And then on top of that, the surgery, I thought it was really cool, microscopic, you know, very relaxed. Um, definitely a different setting in that type of OR than in another OR. I oh, mean, there's a lot definitely. going on um, in orthopedics and all that stuff. It's very like minuscule. Everything is very delicate. Yeah. So yeah, I like that part about it. And then something I love in terms of it being a surgical specialty is that you don't take call. So you don't really have to 
be on call all the time. Um, a lot of autonomy, obviously, as a surgical specialty. And I want to be a mom. I want to have a family. And I want to be an active member in that family, which sometimes is hard if you do general surgery or orthopedic. Um, so I like that it intrigues me. But I also like that it'll allow me to have a life that I want to live yeah. in the future, which is a big thing for me when I was looking for what I wanted to do. And I think that a lot of people, especially pre-meds, don't think about that. They think, you know, I want to go into general surgery and I want to be on call and all of this stuff because they feel kind of invincible still. Mm -hmm. But it's so real once you get to third year and you realize like, dang, I could be woken up at 3 a.m., for a gallbladder yeah. and I don't want that life. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, surgery generally is a very hardcore specialty, like any surgical specialty. I mean, really is just yeah. hardcore demanding. And like you said, as a medical student, you just like, it sounds so beautiful, right? Like, oh, I'm going to be a surgeon. Yeah. But you don't really realize how taxing it is, like mentally and physically until you yeah. go through it. So I love it. I love that I can be a surgeon, right? That's so awesome. And then like have a relaxed lifestyle and have like family life and just be normal at the same time. And another thing that you said that I really like and like really resonates with me was that, you know, you you knew that you wanted to probably do something surgical, but you kept going through different rotations and none of them really felt like the right fit. I felt like during my third year, that I was looking around and everyone was loving every rotation that they were doing. And I was like, I don't see myself doing any of these until I got to neurology. And I was like, oh, I, I could definitely do this for the rest of my life. But those, no way. Yeah. And so I'm really glad that you you mentioned that <laughs> there was a sharp demarcation of like no and yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I mean, and it was late too, like I said. So I just matched in February um, and I didn't acknowledge or recognize that I wanted to do ophthalmology until last February. Yeah. Which, I mean, the amount of like the curve that I had to go through in order to become a better applicant was insane, like in the very little time that I had. Yeah. I mean, I think that the the time constraint that we're put under as third years is just actually insane in general. Yeah. Like I didn't have my neurology rotation until January, February, and I was just hanging on a hope and a dream at that point because I'd never seen a neurologist. Yeah. Like, I hope I like this. Yeah. Because you go through everything. That's yeah, the thing. It's like you only have so many electives. And so yeah. you get to this point where you're like, man, I've been through all of these rotations so far and I'm so disappointed because yeah. I haven't found like my passion. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But we ended up there. So good. I know we're good. It's all over. Yes. I just feel so, I feel like I just want to watch TV on my couch all day, honestly. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> so what made you um, want to go to a DO school instead of an MD school? Or was that an, a choice? Was that not a choice? Walk me through that. So Long story short, I think it wasn't a choice. <laughs> um, much like ophthalmology, my application, I didn't really decide for sure I wanted to go to medical school until relatively late in the process. So I didn't have a lot of time to study for the MCAT um, or a lot of time to get glowing like recommendations or anything mm -hmm. like that. So I applied to both MD and DO because personally, I didn't have a preference. I mean... I know that there's a strong stigma and you've talked about it on here and I've listened and it's so interesting because as much as we hope that it's not there, it is still, yeah, unfortunately. unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I kind of fall into that category, right? Like I didn't choose 
directly to apply to DO school alone. Um, Same. You know, I mean, it just, but as you've talked about, and as a lot of people know, we learn everything that MD individuals learn. We learn everything that they do. And then on top of that, we learn a bit, a little bit more in terms of the osteopathic principles. And I don't know if I'll ever use those in ophthalmology, (laughs) but at the time that was attractive to me that, Hey, I mean, we live in a world where medicine is the only cure at this point, at least in terms of what a lot of people think of. Um, but that holistic care has kind of been peeking in, like, you know, everyone wants to partake in that. So that's kind of what attracted me to DO in terms of still applying to both. Definitely. And I think having that that openness and honesty of just saying like, yeah, I applied to both and I didn't get into any MDs, which is fine. I still made it here. You're still going to be an ophthalmologist. Yeah. (laughs) It worked out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So what did you do on your residency application to stand out compared to other applicants? So this is something I was thinking a lot about before we started talking today because (laughs) I, as I spoke of earlier, I didn't apply. Like, I didn't know I wanted to apply until February. And at that point, people were already applying for away, like auditions. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they opened, since it's an early match, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. rotations in some places, like they open up for applications on February 1st. And I hadn't even started my ophthalmology rotation at that point. Um, so that was a question I asked myself when I was going to apply is like, how can I set myself apart? You know, I mean, I haven't had the time to really cultivate myself into an applicant that matches the ophthalmology build. <laughs> I like I yeah. just didn't have research. I didn't have great scores, which we can probably talk about later. But um, I think one thing that a lot of when I did do my interviews that they valued is that I was very transparent about my shortcomings. But I know a lot of people tell you not to put that on your application. Like, don't do that. Don't bring up your shortcomings. Yeah. But I want to argue the point that if you're going to do that, then be able to back it up with, hey, here's what I've done Mm -hmm. to overcome them. Because I think a lot of people realize when you go through medical school, when you go through this process is that we're not perfect. And like, we're just, we're human beings, we're going to make mistakes. And especially in like, as a doctor, you have to be able to recognize your shortcomings and communicate those. Um, yeah, 100%. In terms of practicing, you know what I mean? So I kind of took a risk and I did that. I talked about how my board scores weren't strong and how I wasn't coming from a background where I knew I wanted to do this since I started. Um, and then in my descriptions of myself, I was very, again, open. Like I put that I play video games in my application <laughs> because someone mentioned it. Like if you put this stuff in there and you get an interview, it gives you a talking point. Like it hooks them in. Yeah. So uh, video games is just a silly one, but I just think that's an example of no one would really put that on their application historically. I know this is just like a side note, but I know somebody who put like Dungeons and Dragons on her. It was a girl too. Like she was like, <laughs> I, I play Dungeons and Dragons and this is this is how it correlates to medicine because you have different roles within all of the key players in Dungeons and Dragons. Like you have to know your role and that very much fits the medicine structure. And so you yeah. never know like the connections that you can make. Exactly. And that's that was what a resident had told me. He was like, it might sound silly and it might seem different, but it sets you apart. I mean, when I don't have mm-hmm. scores or the research to set me apart, like I have to do something else, you know? I mean, I can't just send in my application and hope that 
it's enough because I knew I was probably being filtered out based on like my step one and my step two score just because of how the ophthalmology match works. Um, and because of that, I was like, if they see this, they're reading my application thoroughly and I want them to know who I am so that it mm -hmm. might propel me into an interview. That's amazing. I love the transparency. Like that's that's literally what you need though, especially if you if you can just be real with yourself. Like I know that I'm not probably their cookie cutter image of what they want in a resident, but maybe they're not looking for cookie cutter because like we don't, especially the people that, yeah. you know, they, they show on their applications and they show on their social media like, oh, I'm so perfect. Like nobody's perfect. Nope. It's a dangerous world we're living in for sure in terms of that. <laughs> it really is. And I was told so many times, like you said, don't put your shortcomings on yeah. paper as long as like they can't find them anyway. Like I I almost put on my on my personal statement, like I did terribly at UF. I did terribly in undergrad. I almost yeah. put that on my application. My my mentor was like, do not do that. They cannot see your graduate. Yeah. <laughs> they just see that you graduated. But like that that's kind of the mindset that I wanted to have was like, hey, I'm not perfect. Yeah. So I love that you did that. Yeah. I mean, well, you're told not to a lot. I mm -hmm. mean, that's the thing is like I fought I fought a lot of like back and forth kind of thoughts in my head about should I listen to them or should I listen to my gut? You know, like I don't know what the right thing to do is in this situation, but I'm glad that I did because I had yeah. people talk to me about it and be like, yeah, that was one of your strengths of your application. I was like, okay. If you do it in a well-spoken <laughs> way that that like you said, this is my shortcoming and this is what I've done to yeah. to redeem myself or to rise above it, then like go ahead. But don't obviously have like, I don't know, just don't like <laughs> throw all your dirty laundry on your application. No, exactly. I mean, I think what I talked about was obvious, like my scores, they were already receiving those and I wanted to address mm -hmm. them before they met me because I didn't want that to come up in interviews and be like, the elephant in the room, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you know that sometimes they ask, like, did anybody ask you in the interviews about your scores? Yes. Um, yes. So just a little fun fact. I got a 200 on step one, which now it's pass fail. So it doesn't really matter. But that is like I passed. But that is almost failing. <laughs> like I almost failed. And I was asked like, hey, what happened? Because I jumped 40 points between that and step two. Mm -hmm. Um. And they asked me explicitly, like, hey, you jumped 40 points. What did you do different? That's kind of impressive. And I was like, I truthfully don't know. I just realized <laughs> that I needed to get my butt in gear because I wanted to apply off, though. Oh, my god. And gosh. I studied harder, but I was asked that. They will ask you that, you know? They will. I, I was not asked about scores, but I was asked about grades, which I thought was interesting because um, most medical schools don't do grades, mm -hmm. but ours does. It's one of 11 medical schools in the United States that really? do grades. Yeah. And they they were very like, they were like, oh, I see that your school has grades. That's great. I love it when schools <laughs> have grades. And I was like, that's so funny because everyone else hates it. Um, but like they Every every program's gonna be looking at things a little bit differently. Yeah. So you did take step two in addition to level two, and you took step one in addition to level one. Yep. Lots of moolah was spent, but but it was done, yes. I got like I said, I got a two hundred on step one, I got a two forty on step two. What'd you do differently? I'm I'm gonna be that person. <laughs> 
I mean, honestly, I attribute a lot of my issue the first time was it was the first like eight hour standardized exam really that I had ever taken. I mean, MCAT, I can't remember how long it was, but I don't feel like it was as stressful. I think that MCAT was only like six hours. Yeah. So it's a long test. And I took that before Comlex because that's what they tell you to do is take it and then study OMM and then take your Comlex. And so I think a lot of it was nerves. I also think a lot of it was I was prepared for Comlex, but not step one. I didn't I don't know. I didn't use the questions as much as I probably should have initially. I think I used I can't remember. What is the complex one called? I think I used that one more. Oh, Comquest. Yes. So you didn't use I the used, world. Yes. That that was I think another thing that made a huge difference was that I used UWorld religiously. <laughs> so if you used Comquest a lot for level 1, did you like knock level 1 out of the park? Uh, I can't got so i got a 592 i think i got like a 560 or something which is not that's i mean yeah it's, that's not i don't really that's know. not like just above passing that's like i think that's like average like above average yeah i think it's average like i didn't knock it out of the park that's the thing it's like i didn't knock any of my board exams out of the park <laughs> i mean honestly quite frankly i did not my score is comparative to the norm in ophthalmology like i was like low like not even really in the average <laughs> And that's what I was telling you earlier. I'm just so surprised yeah. even still like to have matched, like blessed, very, very yeah. blessed. Well, that just goes to show that like they're looking for human beings. You know, they're not looking for robots. Yeah. They're looking for human beings that connect with other human beings. Yeah. Um. So you, for step two, level two, so you just use UWorld more? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's really all I did. I think I used UWorld um, a lot. And then what else? I used a video one of our I mean we have so many resources I can't even remember oh, at this point I've also feel like I've blacked it all out <laughs> <laughs> um but I just knew I do know that was like a notable difference is that I used you world a lot like I was doing a lot of question blocks a lot of review um yeah because I felt like it just it mentally prepares you for that setting you know like being there and answering questions <laughs> The questions are so different too between yeah. level one and step one. Yeah. Like step one, it's like paragraphs mm -hmm. and you have to really read. And then level one, it's very much like one-liners. Yeah. You know it or you don't. Yeah. What do these OPP findings mean? All of that jazz. Yeah. Um, so going away from scores. So you were saying that like away rotations opened up February of third year. So did you do any OA rotations? Oh, yeah. I did six. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So it's important to note for anyone who doesn't know and for which is probably the majority, a lot of the ophthalmology rotations are only two weeks. Oh. So, I mean, you can do four weeks, but they offer two weeks um, and a lot of them only offer two weeks. So that's why I was able to do so many. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think you've talked about this before. I think I saw on um, Instagram earlier, you were talking about it. They just, you, if you can, and if you are financially able, there's so much value in doing auditions and doing away rotations at programs that you're interested in. Um, for the obvious reason of you want them to meet you, right? But also because you could get there and just don't feel like you fit in, you know? Like it just doesn't feel like home, which... You know, I mean, after going through programs, it's just you find one and you're like, this is it. You know, you just know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So there's a lot of value in that. But also, if you don't have a great application, it is vital, I think. It's vital to show your face. And I, I honestly think that's what got me in. And also, it's just kind of scary to me to think about a lot of my peers are matching at um, hospitals that they've never set foot in. That's terrifying. Yeah. Like, so I, That's common, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually very common. So, like, I had six... Yeah, six aways. And I had only four interviews. Um, but I do like that all the places that I interviewed, I'd been there because I knew them already. I knew the atmosphere, you know, like it makes you more comfortable. I can't imagine, which is the, the norm for ophthalmology, like interviewing a lot of places that you've never been, especially if you are a high tier applicant. Um, and then they end up places they've never been. That sounds terrifying. Because I, I think about this too all the time, you know, because all of the interviews are conducted via Zoom. They can catfish you. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. They could tell you and show you pictures of their hospital and this is what it looks like. And our nurses are so nice. And we never, uh, we buy you food every day and all of this stuff. And unless you actually go there and you witness the, the interactions between you and your attendings, stuff like that, what, what the hospital layout is, how it's organized, things like that, what the EMR is like, what do the residents complain about, you wouldn't know. No, you just show up on yeah. day one. So scary. Yeah. No, it is scary. I mean, kind of like we were talking about earlier about ourselves, like you don't want to air all of your dirty laundry in your interview. They're not going to tell you that. Yeah. Like they're not going to tell you. Everyone, everyone has it. I mean, every hospital has it. You know, mm -hmm. there are things that they don't like about their setting or the residents aren't always going to be happy. It's a matter of, mm -hmm. but they're not going to communicate that to you. No, <laughs> you might get that when you're there though. Exactly. Cause they can, I mean, they can put their best foot forward um, during a one hour long interview or during a one hour long meet and greet via zoom. The, the residents can be on their best behavior. The school can, can be putting their best foot forward. But when you go there for an entire month or for two weeks, it's impossible for them to not show their real frustrations out in the open. And then you build that rapport with them and they can trust you to tell you their real thoughts. If there are any, Mm -hmm. any hesitancies that they might want to convey to you. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of value in going guys. If you're, if you want to go there, you should rotate there because you just get a better sense of it. And it's definitely expensive. Like, did you have to pay for your rotations? So I rotated through a lot of, so I guess now there's not DO ophthalmology and MD ophthalmology anymore. They're kind of merged, um, but they're still primarily DO programs. I rotated through those and they didn't really charge me. I think they took like a security deposit maybe, but then I almost always got it back. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's probably just for like a fob or something like that. Yeah. Like for a page. I didn't get a pager, but like for a badge or something that I had to return. But yeah. um, there were some I think that were expensive, but I found ways to not pay. Like I would contact the resident and the resident set up my rotation. Oh my <laughs> um, gosh. So um, there are back doors sometimes. Yeah. Unfortunately, I tried that and it didn't, it didn't work out. Didn't work. Yeah. I, yeah. I, at the program that I really, really needed to rotate at, I, uh, I paid $3,600. I think I saw that you posted that. Yeah. It made me stick to my stomach. Yeah. That wasn't my, I had to like ask family for money because I don't have that kind of money, but 
I was like, yeah. I have to do this. Like it's it's what I want. If yeah. I know that I want it, then I have to do it. And I tried so hard to get it revoked. I was like, why does this why does this exist? I went through the chain of command all the way up and yeah. no one would no one would take it off for me. So I just bit the bullet and, and did it. But I mean, you probably traveled a bunch too. So like travel costs, they add up. Yep, that's what I was about to say. Is like I couldn't, definitely could not have afforded to pay any more than I did, and like my parents also helped me out a little bit um, in terms of traveling because a lot of the places I think only two had student housing, um, and at the time, like this is going to sound so silly, but as you mentioned earlier, I have a cat, mm-hmm. and I could have very easily left him places, but he made me. It's like a like an emotional support pet, basically, um, just made me feel better. So I wanted to bring him. So like I was spending money to stay in Airbnbs and like pay for groceries and gas. Like some of the rotations I was traveling a lot. Um, I did one down in Florida. um, And for that, I had to rent a car. So it was like, yes. So it it is expensive, but I don't necessarily regret doing it because I got four interviews where I probably wouldn't have else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think I would have. Truthfully. I I got one interview from a place that actually rejected me and then I rotated there and then they sent me an interview. Interesting. Which I was kind of like, I don't know if this is nice or not. Like you wouldn't like me on paper, but you liked me on person. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, mixed messages. But I didn't end up, obviously that, that's not where I matched, but it was still like that just being there got me enough to get an interview when originally they rejected me. Yeah. So. Yep. Because they're looking for people. I don't know. I mean, some places aren't. Some places value academics more, um, especially in ophthalmology. Academics are just like, again, top tier. You want top tier because yeah. it just tends to be a very competitive specialty. But then some programs, they they want you to be not a robot. Like I met a, a, a couple of students, unfortunately, that like I heard them answer questions the same way, like the exact same way to multiple people. And I was like, that must like I don't know like I just want to be myself like to the end, and I can't imagine like I that shows sometimes. So I think that's important. Like yeah. if I could tell anybody applying to any specialty, just be yourself. Like don't be someone else because you're gonna end up there if you do. And then either you're gonna feel like you need to fit into this little box of a person that you were when you were there, or you're just gonna be miserable because the atmosphere is not what you would typically enjoy. Yeah, exactly. This is like the one part of med school where you cannot fake it till you make it. Like you have to just be the realist. Yeah. Like if somebody doesn't want you, you do not want them. Exactly. It's a it's a relationship. Exactly. Uh, did you experience any kind of – I know that you applied to mostly DO programs, but did you experience any bias against DOs when you were out and about on your rotations? So – like you said, fortunately, I rotated through a lot of DO programs, so they were very DO heavy. I don't. The only MD program I rotated through was Geisinger, mm-hmm. um, and I loved it there. Honestly, like they had a few DOs in their program, they were very DO friendly, um, very nice. And yeah, I guess overall, luckily, I had not experienced that bias. You know what I mean? Like I know that it's there, but I was kind of sheltered from it because I was rotating alongside my fellow DO students, right, right. you know what I mean? Um, but it's definitely there. 
I mean, so I was looking this up earlier. I was hoping that the match stats had been released mm-hmm. for my cycle, but they have not yet. But I was looking at last year. So last year, 625 applicants were MDs, um, like seniors. Yeah. And only 65 were osteopathic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and how many? Um, only 45% of osteopathic students, like seniors, matched, whereas 75 of allopathic matched. Yikes. It's just like you see it. Like even though I didn't experience it personally, like you just feel mm-hmm. like from the very beginning, you know, it's made aware that you are at a disadvantage, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Be- because of, I think, a stigma. I mean, realistically, I think it's because of a stigma. Yeah. And I honestly don't, I don't get it. It's so, it's so frustrating for me because I applied, I had very good stats and I applied to very good schools um, or very good programs and programs that have, that had DOs and programs that traditionally didn't or historically didn't, hoping that maybe they'll give me a shot and at least give me an interview. And I mean, I interviewed at Mayo Clinic and Cleveland Clinic and all these like places, but there were a couple of MD programs that had never had DOs that just still didn't give me an interview. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm if you look at my stats, I'm statistically even above what you traditionally take, but because the letters at the end of my name, you're not going to interview me. Like that just seems so silly to me. Yeah. It's very interesting because it only exists in our little like medical community, right? Because I have met DO surgeons, you know, and their patients don't know any different. I mean, you just have to try harder and be your best. I mean, from months like I was just max maximizing all of my effort and like being my best self so to speak for months and it's exhausting because you feel like you have to like fight the stigma personally like you feel like, like you, you are have the warrior. to you know what I mean it's like this is my yeah. personal vendetta <laughs> to show you that I am equal like I want to match so badly again I wasn't interviewing at MD programs except for one but just like we had a Google sheet. I don't know if other specialties do it. Did yours? Okay. Which is, again, so type. I mean, I'm very type A, I think. But I'm also just not like, I feel like that's very Gunner-esque personality. I, you know what I mean? Like, I just would never. Yeah. I don't know. And just watching like all the back and forth chatter in the chat and like all the scores and all of their publications. I'm yeah. Like, oh, I'm a DO. Like our school doesn't really have a lot of research going on. <laughs> I know. It's very interesting for sure. Unfortunate also. I think it's just a neurology thing, but like neurology people are just very uh, likable people in my experience. Um, very chill. And so our Google yeah. Sheets, everyone is super supportive. Um, and on our Discord, everyone was so nice, like almost like painfully nice. Um, like I posted, this is just an example, but I posted that I needed somewhere to do a mask fit test and how I was just frustrated. I was literally just venting on the discord that like, I couldn't do my away until I got a mask fit test. And this girl commented on my, on my discord post and was like, where are you located? I'll call around every urgent care in your area and ask if they have them. That's so nice. And so she gave me a whole list and the prices. I was just like, this girl, I'm not. I'm not worthy. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I I met like I said I've met a lot of the 
like a lot of students on my path and they were yeah. all so nice. Like I was surprised because I expected, like I hadn't met any other students who wanted to do ophthalmology and I kind of expected them to be very like, I don't want to sound wrong, like academic yeah. straight laced. Mm, I don't say no personality, but just like academic mm -hmm. scholars, you know? And then I met them and they were just so nice. But unfortunately our, so like our Google sheet got like I don't want to say bombed I don't really know the right thing but like hacked oh my multiple times by people that would like delete all the data that's so mean <laughs> I know and I was surprised because everyone I had met was so nice but then it just it was very interesting to me I, I have heard horror stories about other google sheets um, and people just refusing to even go on the google sheets because of things like that but that that usually happens in like the very much gunner-esque specialties yeah yes it's interesting because i don't feel like i fit that mold well that's that's what makes you unique and that's why you got the that's why you got the job <laughs> yeah woohoo! i got a job <laughs> so did you apply for anything other than ophthalmology like did you dual apply nope i should have <laughs> um i was advised to actually from the very beginning and i think that i considered it i also like pediatrics a lot actually. Um, but it didn't fit like what I wanted for my life, so to speak. I kind of wanted the luxury of like working, but then also like work hard, play hard, you know? Yeah. Like having not to work as frequently, but still making enough money to sustain my family and also like any hobbies that I want to pick up as I grow old. Um, so I didn't end up applying though, because I thought that I I loved ophthalmology enough that I didn't want to quit after one time, so to speak, um, because a lot of people, I don't say a lot, but if you don't match, you can try again, which personally now looks like a nightmare. Like I've talked to a lot of students who are going through that. Um, and I'm just very glad that didn't end up being my situation because I don't really know how I would have handled it. Yeah. Um, but that was my mindset is like, I love this enough. This is what I want to do with my life. And though, even though everyone is advising me otherwise, they don't have to, they don't have to be by my side every day that I live until I retire, you know? Um, so I want to give this my, my all, so to speak, and focus all my energy on this application and hope for the best. And it worked out, thankfully. Exactly. And you got to find out before everyone else. Yeah, I know. It was almost lonely, though. It was almost lonely. It's like you just have this lonesome post. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I think the urology match was the same day or like the, a couple days after. Um, so there was another medical student from our school that ended up matching, which was nice. Um, but it is, it's very lonesome. I mean, the anxiety, because yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's any benefit of sharing anxiety, but like, all of you guys kind of had that cohort of just like, y'all know you're going through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's which so I real. kind of wish that I had. I wish I, I wish I had that, like all the excitement that you guys are sharing. Um, because it was a very stressful, like the night before, I don't know, you've pro you probably had people tell you like, oh, you'll be fine. Like yeah. it's going to be fine. You're so great. What are you worried about? Oh yeah. But did you like make friends on the, on the audition trail that like you could kind of confide in? I did. Um, but a lot of them, like, I don't say a lot, but a lot of the people that I stayed in touch with did not match. Oh. So it was, I mean, it just, 
competitive specialties, like if you're trying to match into one, it just match day, so to speak, is just so much heavier. Um, and with ophthalmology, you find out if you match and where you match same day. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. So it's nice. It's nice. Um, but then I don't know, like I wasn't even worried about where I was matching, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to match. <laughs> yeah. Like that was the boat that I was in. And that's the consensus for a lot of the more competitive specialties is that like, just tell me if I match or not. Like, I don't yeah. even care where at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I can definitely feel where you're coming from. Like, I obviously can't because I'm not in your in your shoes. But um, just every everybody's specialties are different. You know, I didn't have anybody at my school that I also knew was doing neurology that I was close with. And so they didn't understand the intricacies between each specialties match. Yeah. And I think that every specialties match is very very different. There's different numbers of auditions that you need to go on. There's different numbers of interviews that you need mm-hmm. to do in order to be like a 99% chance of matching. So yeah. I didn't I didn't know if what my friends were telling me about their number of interviews could pertain to me or not. I just had to trust <laughs> that I was on the right path for yeah. what I wanted to do. Yeah, that's very valid. I mean, so San Francisco match, the ophthalmology match is completely separate. Mm-hmm. Um. And in general, just navigating that as a DO was hard because, again, like you said, I didn't know anybody. I don't think anybody in our class uh, applied ophthalmology. I had actually like, like reached out, I think, a couple times on the Facebook page, like hoping, like, anyone there, like, please help. But nobody. Somebody please apply. Yeah. And I feel like our, our school probably doesn't have as much resources about the San Francisco match because not a lot of people match through it. Yeah. So that's – I think it's a thing for DO schools in general. Um, but I struggled. I mean, I really had to navigate pretty much the entire thing by myself. I mean, because I would ask questions and they wouldn't know. And, yeah. I, I mean, it's really not their fault. It's not. I wish they knew. Because yeah. I was like, if I can't ask you, who do I ask? Like, I don't know. I don't even know. How, I don't even know who to ask. You know what I mean? A lot of my mentors that I had worked with um, before I started rotating had been out for at least like five years. So, I mean, it changes. It's changed a lot since then, even. Yeah. And how long is ophthalmology residency? I didn't even think to ask that. So it's one year of internship, which is it varies between whatever place you end up. Um, mine is just a trend. Well, I think it's, it's like a transitional year. I am combo type of thing. So I'll do, I am a little bit of ophthalmology, a little bit of ER, just kind of like a modge podge of things my first year and then three years of ophthalmology training Okay. after that. So four. Yeah. That's very similar to neurology. Um, did a lot of your programs that you applied to, were they all advanced kind of like with the transitional year or were a lot of them categorical? So I don't, I think there's different terminology. I'm going to explain. I think, I think there is. So there's integrated and then there's joint. Okay. So I think it's kind of along the same lines of what you're talking about. Yeah. So I guess they must have different terminology like between the San Francisco match and the NRMP. So tell me what these two terms that you just said mean. So uh, most of them now, I think in 2020, they had to merge, like merge everything, kind of like transition. All programs had to offer either an integrated intern year or a joint intern year. So 
joint means it's, I mean, it's very confusing, actually. Yeah. And I don't know if I, I'm going to preface that I might not be explaining it 100% correct. Um, but my program is an integrated program. So when I got accepted into my program, then I'm automatically enrolled into their transitional year. I don't have to apply separately. I don't have to interview separately. It's all together. Right. And for joint, it's kind of similar in the sense that when you get accepted, you still are guaranteed a spot, but then you have to apply or like rank them through the NRMP still. So you have to apply for the NRMP and have an account so that you can rank them. Oh. Um, but you're still kind of, I think what matters, I mean, what mattered to me when I was applying is do I have to apply separately to an intern year or not? Yeah. And the answer is no. The answer is no. So for anyone listening, if you're confused, you don't have to have a separate application. At least don't worry about it early in the process. Because that was one of the questions I had asked was, should I be preparing another application? Um, is it ERAS? Yeah. E, right? Yeah. Um, it's so funny because I've forgotten all this stuff because I don't need to know it, right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's everything you think about. But um, do I need to apply through there or not? And like they couldn't tell me. Like I actually think they told me to apply. And I was like, that is so expensive to apply separately. And plus, I didn't even know what to apply to, you know? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, it wasn't very clear if it was linked to anything or if I had to apply in general. Um, so long story short, you don't have to apply separate initially. So just don't worry about it. Just register for the NRMP and be done. <laughs> nice. That's, that's yes. good advice. I mean, I would not know where to start if I had to do... It's hard to find those analogy. answers. Yeah. And I feel like you're kind of just hanging on to people on the internet that are telling you yes or no. And it's like you're putting your eggs in your basket of your future on people, mm -hmm. strangers on the internet. That sounds... Yeah, do I trust these people? Exactly. They could be... <laughs> My parents you. told me not to trust strangers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Is there anything else about the about the ophthalmology match that you wanted to talk about that might have been different? Mm, let me think. So it's early, as a lot of people know. It's I I hate that it's called early match because really I would just feel like it's accelerated. I mean, it's only a month difference. So yeah. applications open in July and then programs can receive your applications on the 1st of September. So you can apply anytime before then and you can even apply after then, like after that point, um, if they accept at a later date, you know, if their cutoff yeah. is at a later date, but they can start to see the date of which you have applied after September 1st. So if you apply before September 1st, they receive it on September 1st and it says that they, that you sent it then. But if you send it after that, then it says Kirsten submitted this September 10th or something like that. So, yeah. and I mean, for the NRMP match, it's, it's September 22nd or something like that. It's yeah. Like the it's third all that, week it's of all September. No, it's not. Um, and so that part's different in a sense. Um, this past year they incorporated something called Altus Suites. Do you know what that is? No idea. It might be Altus Suite, like period. But um, it is almost like, I don't want to say emotional, but like testing your morality almost. It's another test you have to take. It's free. Um, I'm trying to think. They give you scenarios and sometimes you type the answers and sometimes you're, it's a video recording. Um, but they give you a scenario and it's ethically challenging. And then you have to tell them how you would navigate it. That's really interesting. And then they score you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, are you a good person and or not? I know. And 
anybody who knows me knows I'm a very kind, thoughtful person. But if you saw my Altus Suite score, you would not think so. Oh my gosh, no. I mean, it, it just because you it's another thing you have to prepare for. Like there, unfortunately, there is a right answer, even though they tell you that there's not. There is. Oh, it's one of those. Um, yeah. It is. You know what I mean? It's uh, ethics, you know? Um, but that was something new. So I don't know if for future applicants, like they'll use it mm -hmm. or not because a lot of programs didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Because it was so, I mean, it was just used this year. Like it was the first time. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if they'll use it again. Did you guys do like a supplemental application or like signaling or tokens or anything like that? Okay. Mm -mm. Yeah. So that's like the thing I know so little about the normal match. Like you say these things and I'm like, these are words I've seen before. Yeah. But I don't know them. So it's very different in the sense that like, uh, just separate. I don't know how else to explain it other than it's just separate, a completely different breed, yeah. you know, of an application. I wouldn't say it's harder necessarily. I think that it's set up differently. I really like the portal like the portal that they use for San Francisco match. I never used E-R-A-S, E-R-A-S. Why do they call it the San Francisco match? I don't know. I don't know if – I really don't. Um, I know that it's weird because the timing, um, actually when it says the time, it says it based on like San Francisco time, like California oh. time. Yeah, which oh is interesting because it said um, – what did it say? Match was at 6 a.m. or something. I was like, 6 a.m.? I am not waking up at 6 a.m. It was actually, was it 9 or something? No, it wasn't that. They were saying that they would release um, vacancies at noon or something or at 9, but it was different mm -hmm. because it was actually noon my time and 9 their time or something like that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And whereas like for for Eris and, and the NRMP, it's all Eastern yeah. time, which yeah. is very nice as someone who lives on the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I think there are um, a lot of like nuances in the application, but I wouldn't say that that's super different. It just accelerated early, um, just slightly, like by a month, like a month, right? Yeah, barely. I feel. Yeah, it's yeah. barely. It's barely early. And all of your interviews, like when when did you interview? Like January or? Um. So interview invitations were sent out mid October. And I think interviews even started in mid-October. It was kind of um, depending on when you got those invites. So you had a short notice or not. Um, oh. And they went until about the end of December. So was it like a batch interview invitation? Like they like all programs release their interview invitations on the same day? Or were no. they kind of on a rolling basis? Rolling basis. Okay. So some of them, um, the program I got into actually, they didn't send me an interview until I was there. Like they didn't send any of their interviews out until I was there. Um, and then another had sent out like right as I had got there. So it was kind of like a rolling basis. Some sent out multiple batches, so to speak, of invites. So they would send yeah. out one round and then another round. And I think that's similar in the normal match as well. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, different different specialties do it different ways. Like I know, I know that dermatology releases all of their – each school has their own interview dates – that they release their interview invitations mm -hmm. at one time. Um, for my specialty and like most specialties, it's exactly the same as what you were saying, where it's like, you know, they start sending out interview interview invitations in October and then it's just kind of a rolling basis until they're done in January. But much. stressful. I'm glad that we're over it. It's done. Yeah. I know, right? We're done. We don't have to do it again. So thankful. 
So if you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice as a pre-med, what would you say? As a pre-med? I think in general, um, don't put yourself inside a box and just remember that you can do hard things. I think so. it's so easy to compare yourself to what you see out in the world. You know, I mean, when I was applying, I was like, oh, I'm not good enough because this, this and this. And you try to confine yourself to this little tiny box of, I don't know, criteria. And then because of that, you go forward and expect very little of yourself. Yeah. I feel like that tends to be a theme also through medical school for me. Um, And then matching into ophthalmology. Just remember that you can do hard things. And even if you haven't done well in the past, that you can still do well in the future, that you're not kind of contained to a certain level of success. I like that a lot. I feel like a lot yeah. of people can can really resonate with that going through pre-med and like social media. I mean, there wasn't social media when I, I mean, there was social media as a pre-med, but I definitely was not on pre-med Instagram, you know? Oh yeah. Neither was I, but I was comparing myself to like the score. Oh, 100%. I was like, my MCAT sucks. Oh, I just knew that I passed it. And I was like, well, I guess, I guess I'll just go with this. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You just do you do what you have to do. You get it done. Exactly. Yeah. And I think advice for now, like just for anyone applying for like the upcoming future is like don't really listen to anybody else. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, I, I really feel that like I, I used to put so much weight on what other people told me. And I used to think that yeah. everyone else was the expert and like they knew what they were talking about because they sounded smart and because they sounded confident in what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that 99% of the things that come out of other people's mouths, they have no idea what they're talking about. And yeah. honestly, if you want to know the answer about something, you should go find the answer yourself, do your research, get after it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, a lot of people... I don't know. Is, is neurology competitive? I don't really know. It's just getting more and more competitive. Yeah. Like everything else. Yeah. We only like three open spots this oh, year goodness. for SOAP. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just in general, I mean, even if, if it's not a competitive specialty, I feel like a lot of medical students deal with this is that you have your whoever, I don't know, people tell you not to apply or they say, hey, you don't have the like the stats. You don't have this. You really shouldn't apply. We really think it's a bad idea. Um. I think that if you feel very strongly about it and it's your dream that you should go for it. And maybe I have the luxury of saying that because I did match because I recognize that I matched and I'm very lucky and it's very unlikely that I did. Um, But I think I would have been disappointed if I listened to everybody else and didn't try. You know, it's not a it's not the end of the world. I know match week was this week and it's hard for me to even say it, but like, there's a lot of people that didn't match. I think there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, people are telling me that there was like seven, I don't know, 2,700 people that wouldn't match or something crazy like that, even though they are well-prepared and I don't know, you could not match with great stores. You could match with great scores. The thing is, is that like, if you do follow your dream and like you do the thing that people are telling you not to do, and then you don't match, And then it's just kind of like a slap in the face, like maybe I should – it reinforces that narrative of that you should be listening to other people when I don't think that it should reinforce that narrative. I think that it should reinforce something else, which is that this system itself is kind of broken. Mm -hmm. It is. It is broken. And like I hate that we're trained to think that it's the end of the world if we don't match Mm -hmm. because it sucks. 
I mean, it sucks bad, right? I mean, you just spent all of that money and spent all of that time dedicating yourself to something and then you don't match. But at the same time, what's another year? I don't know. I mean, if it's what you want to do, then I'd rather spend another year working towards something than giving up. Yeah. And they don't tell you that, that that's okay. Like, I feel like schools don't communicate, hey, if you don't match, or they don't communicate what to do if you don't match. Like, if you don't match, period, what do you do? They just want the stats. That's all that they want. They want you yes. to match so that they can say that they have a 90% match rate or a 100% match rate. They yeah. don't care about whether you're happy or not going into the specialty that you matched into. Yep. And that was what I was trying to politely say without <laughs> saying it, is that unfortunately, even though at a base level, the people that are teaching you at your school, they care about you. I think that it all comes down to they want match. They want you to match. They want high match rates, like you said. And that's fine. But it's not their life. It's yeah. your life. So do what you want. And I don't want to say deal with the consequences, but just know that it's not the end of the world. If you don't match, it sucks and it's going to suck for a while, but it doesn't mean that you can't end up achieving what you want to do. You just have to work a little harder for it. And it doesn't say anything about your worth either. Mm -mm. No, it doesn't. Because there's a lot of great applicants that did not match. Exactly. Like we're all super smart. We're all worthy of the of the spot. Yeah. It's just that there's not there's just enough, not enough spots. spots. <laughs> so messed yeah. up yeah there's not that even if every spot was filled there'd still be I think a thousand plus people that did not match which is I don't know how to fix that problem but it's something that needs to be addressed by people that aren't me exactly but maybe yes. with enough enough noise we'll get there <laughs> hopefully <laughs> hopefully thank you so much for listening thank you for joining me on this journey feel free to reach out to me and let me know what you would like to hear me talk about next week who I should be interviewing next. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at dear.do.pod. You can check out the official website, deardopod.com for blog posts, guides, and you can submit your questions about all things medical school. Support the continuation of this podcast by leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Original music by Cologne, production and recording by yours truly. Thank you.